My guest this week is James Dyer. James is the digital editor-in-chief of Empire Magazine and also the host of the Pilot TV podcast. James joined me to talk about the Now Cinema streaming service and some of the incredible movies and TV shows that are available on that now. And if you're wondering, did I have the host of the Pilot TV podcast on and not mention a single TV show that is available on the platform? You are goddamn right I did. Here's my chat with James. Enjoy. James, very nice to meet you. And you too. How's it going? Not too bad. One thing I, I love about you is you have possibly the best geek origin story ever, <laughs> that you visited the set of a, a little-known film, uh, which I think spiked your interest in movies. Yes, a small independent movie named The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, was that, was that the one that kind of forged your interest in this? Well, yeah, it did. I mean, I was actually on the set of Alien as well, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but uh, but I, I have no memory of that. So the, the benefit of the Empire Strikes Back one is there are actually pictures of me on set. So that's, so there's evidence that it happened. Because I remember very little apart from crying because I thought the spaceships would take off. Millennium Falcon, let's be honest, would take off with me in it. Uh, because, you know, kids are stupid. And I didn't understand the distinction between <laughs> a film and reality. Uh, but yes, I think that, that possibly put me on the path. I've been a, a subscriber of Empire since, I think, 19 and I, I tend to follow reviewers like Caroline Westbrook was mine for years I'd always watch with yours and your one then kind of came to prominence for me is when you gave five stars to the the Bourne ultimatum ah, which yes. was, apparently it's 15 years ago and <laughs> the Bourne movies are on now cinema now which I've been revisiting they are how big of an influence do you think they have on the the modern action films <sighs> the Bourne films the Bourne films changed everything because like you looked at that and then you look at what Bond did with Casino Royale and it was it was a direct response to how Bourne had moved things on there was a sort of realism to it there was a brutality to it a physicality to it uh, those films kind of blew my mind. I sort of think they did everyone's because I don't think action films were constructed that way. Obviously, Doug Lyman did the first one, but Paul Greengrass with his crazy frenetic camera work, you know, for the second and third. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would be hard pressed, I think, to pick many films that have affected things as much as those during my time at Empire. Like, I, I really, really see those as landmark films. Folk obviously part of Empire is one of the most egregious reviews I think was <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Chris Hewitt gave it five stars. He did. For me, one of the worst ones was The Game, which is on Now Cinema, getting two stars and Batman and Robin <laughs> getting three. And I believe I'm not alone in uh, my, what's the word? We'll say, we'll say disgust. With yes, that. <laughs> absolute disgust. Do you know what? I watched it again quite recently because it is on Now Cinema, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, The Game, so The Game did get two stars and Batman and Robin got three stars. And that was my first proper formal encounter with Empire Magazine was writing in a letter of very strongly worded complaint uh, that they had committed this travesty against David Fincher's masterpiece and then obviously elevated Joel Schumacher's less than masterpiece uh, at the same time. Perhaps unsurprisingly, they never responded and I didn't get letter of the month. Nevertheless, <laughs> I, have, I have voiced it quite, uh, quite sort of vociferously since I've been on staff there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they all, they all regret it. A review that I didn't agree with that I think you wrote was Interstellar getting five stars from Empire. Now, I watched Lightyear recently, and I yep. think they've done the same story far better. <laughs> now, that is a take on Lightyear I've not heard. I love Interstellar. I do. Yes, yes, the sort of, shall we say, church organ score is a lot. 
uh, and it does revolve around a magic book bookcase. But uh, but nevertheless, I just think it does so many wonderful things. I think it's such a brave movie, and the heart of that film. And bear in mind, this is a Chris Nolan film. Chris Nolan, who's made a number of films, all of which I would say are brilliant, and yet you can't really accuse him of being an emotional filmmaker. Like Tenet, if you saw Tenet, which came out during the pandemic, is on now cinema now. Uh, like that's a film. It's very technical. It's very complicated, but there's not an emotional core. Whereas if you look at Interstellar, there's real heart beneath all the scientific nonsense and that bit where you see Matthew McConaughey speaking to uh, Jessica Chastain his daughter who's grown up while he's just been down on a planet for half an hour like the emotion in that scene oh it just destroyed me wrecked me I was like you got five stars right there just for that one scene five stars so sorry I apologize for leading you astray but I stand by that one (laughs) I just think I it's the same problem I had with Inception it keeps stopping to explain what's going on. And I think it's something he didn't do with Memento and he didn't do even with The Prestige, where he just kind of trusted either keep up or, you know, yeah. this isn't for you. But then he didn't do it with Tenet Another either. Film. People came out and were like, what's going on? <laughs> so. Tenet for me just exists so people can do YouTube videos to say <laughs> why Tenet is actually a masterpiece and you didn't understand it. I'm with them. Another film which I, I wouldn't accuse of being a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, which is on Now Cinema is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, for me, this was a lot of hullabaloo for to turn a one-star film into a two-star film. Oh, see, I disagree. And I was one of the biggest detractors of uh, Joss Whedon's cut of Justice League. I hated it with a fiery vengeance. And I I definitely didn't want to like the Snyder Cut because of all the dialogue around it on the internet. I, I didn't want anything to do with the Snyder Bros or any of that. And I watched it, and yes, it's in 4.3, which is ridiculous. And sure, it's in black and white, which is inexplicable. But... It's actually really good. Like, you actually see there. And I would always have said, like, Zack Snyder's a very visual filmmaker, the stuff he did with 300 and, you know, even Sucker Punch, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's good stuff visually. But sometimes there's a lack of substance there. But I would have put Joss Whedon on another level and said that Joss Whedon, having come off The Avengers, was a better filmmaker. But actually, looking at these films, like, his, the Snyder cut is demonstrably better than the theatrical cut of Justice League. And actually, I feel it's like it's what that film should have been all along. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. It's approximately 15 hours long, but they're 15 hours well spent, I would say. So, uh, yeah, a great film. Just on a slight tangent, why do you think the DC movies haven't been as successful or as good as the, the Marvel universes? Oh, that's a difficult one to answer. I mean, look, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Marvel fan. I always have been. I read Marvel comics as a teenager. I was never huge into DC. Um, so that will always colour my judgement. But then if you look at what Kevin Feige's done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what he's done with this this sort of tapestry, the Infinity Saga alone is one of the greatest achievements in cinema. You can say what you like about some of the individual films, but to have constructed this narrative across 20-odd movies is incredible. And the fact that DC tried to do that without having earned it, I think, was their problem. Like, they, they tried to sort of get up to the Justice League before they'd actually built up a head of steam and you didn't have all the characterization that you needed to sell that and to make it work. And I don't think it was until we got the kind of Zack Snyder cut of of Justice League, which obviously you can now watch and is on now cinema, but you know, until we got that, I don't think people realized what it could have been. So I think I think it you know, it almost apologized for what came before it, but um I think an overarching vision was what they lacked. And the fact that they've moved away from the DCEU now, I think is testament to that that they've now realized that they can't do it so they shouldn't try yeah and i think they've kind of things like aquaman they almost are upset that that made a billion dollars because now they can't reset because there is still yeah okay we're, this is making money but this isn't hey look, if you can make I'm, that I'm, much money off a film with a drumming octopus in i say go for it <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be holding no hope for any of those spin-offs though <laughs> 
Um, obviously, people will be drawn to the blockbusters on Now Cinema. Something I'm getting a huge kick out of is the kind of slightly older mid-budget movies that you can't get anywhere. Like mm. I've been watching this week, Bored on a Wire, Fear and Load in Las Vegas, The Fugitive. <laughs> that, that's, that's a triple fest for you there. It is, yeah. How important do you think it is that films like this have a platform to be discovered and aren't kind of, you know, buried on a, an opening weekend by oh, something like, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home? Hugely important. Hugely important. And you're absolutely right. Those films don't get made anymore because that's the domain of TV. Like you look at the stuff that HBO churn out and like they've got that stuff covered. Like if you're looking at adult sort of mid-budget drama stuff, it's on TV, it's long form content. And that's all fantastic. But I miss, you know, going to the cinema to watch The Fugitive, to watch Bird on a Wire, which yes, I did see in the cinema. Love Goldie Horn. Uh, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think to be able to find those films so they're not lost to time is incredibly important. And I think that's one of the, one of the benefits of like, you know, memberships with things like now. It's like you can just do a deep dive into all these films that you wouldn't necessarily pick up. You might not have rented them. You might not have gone to see them in the cinema. But they're still there. And they're, you know, for me, they're sort of almost capsules of my past because obviously I watched them at the time. But for people just discovering them new, some of these things are really, really good. The Future, David, is a stone-cold classic. I'm always here for that film. The one for me that always sticks, that I always recommend to people, and thankfully now it finally has a forum, is Copland. And you yes. tell people, oh, it's got Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, you know, the T-1000. They're like, wait, what? Yeah. How? And it's directed by the guy who's, you know, doing Indiana Jones right. and made Logan. And just the amount of people who just, that's not a real film. <laughs> who just haven't heard of it. Well, no one's seen it. No, in fact, we, we have a big piece on that film in the most recent issue of Empire magazine. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, I genuinely think, like, pound for pound, that is Stallone's best performance. Really, just so good. Slightly overweight, slightly tired, a real low-key performance. But it kind of showed, showed me, certainly, that he wasn't just Rocky, he wasn't just Rambo. Like, he has depth to him as a thespian, if you will. Uh, and this film really showcases it and, of course, made James Mangold. So, Unfortunately, I'm getting the, the wrap-up signal here, Joe. I've just got time for one more question, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, we have a section on the show called Extravision, the idea being Extravision was a, a, a video store chain here, kind of the equivalent of Chartbuster or a Blockbuster. And the idea is if you had the chance to walk into a video store one more time, what three movies would you pick? But I'm going to handicap you slightly here and say you have to pick three movies that are on no cinema. Oh, what three films would I pick? All right, all right, that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. I would maybe pick Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I absolutely love. Uh, that film is wild and so, so good. Uh, so I would maybe pick that one. What else would I pick? I might pick Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which I have to be honest, I think is probably my favourite Cohen movie. Maybe a controversial choice for that, but I love that. I think it's fantastic. Um... Let me think of another one. I don't know. Maybe Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat or Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, depending on what title it's going by at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I love a time loop movie and that is one of my favourites. Uh, and that is Tom Cruise on legendary form. So I think that might be an interesting, if slightly anarchic, triple bill. <laughs> I would not object to any, though. I 100% agree with you on our brother <laughs> as well. James Dyer, thank you so much for speaking to me. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. A pleasure to talk to you.